for a more fulfilling, erotic, and sexual life? The journey begins here. This is The Sexual Voice with your host, Jessica Ford. As a relationship psychotherapist working with individuals and couples for decades, Jessica knows how to create and support meaningful relationships. Along with her guests, Jessica expands the lens of sex therapy, connecting you with a more satisfying and healthier sexual self. Now, here is Jessica Ford. This is The Sexual Voice, and I am Jessica Ford. Welcome to today's show, What's Great Sex? Kind of a generational perspective. Is it different or the same across the generation? Our focus is optimal sex. Can we achieve it? And looking at this generational perspective. Today's guest is Dr. Peggy Kleinplatz, and she said in an interview that uh, I, when I was researching behind the scenes a bit, and I'm going to just quote a few lines from the interview. Questions are what should be guiding us in our pursuit of knowledge. I don't want to act as an agent of social control, shaping clients to become what we consider normative. I want clients and students to look within and find answers themselves. I want to become enamored of asking questions and finding answers. Sex therapy is sometimes too focused on the cure of dysfunction, often stopping too soon or settling for too little. We need to set new goals for the field. Dr. Kleinplatz is a professor of medicine, clinical professor of psychology, director of sex and couples therapy and training in the University of Ottawa. She is a clinical psychologist, a board certified in sex education, and a diplomate and supervisor in sex therapy. She has edited multiple books, and her newest one is New Directions in Sex Therapy, Innovations and Alternatives. She's the winner of the ASEC 2013 Book Award, and she's also received a Professional Standard of Excellence Award from ASEC. So with all Peggy's education, knowledge, and achievements, I just want to say I've always found her to be so welcoming and accessible, as do her students. And not too long ago, I had the experience of working with a case manager, a young woman who was really excited when she heard I was a sex therapist. And she said, oh, I I know a sex therapist. She said, uh, matter of fact, she was my teacher at the University of Ottawa. And I said, oh, who? She said, Dr. Peggy Kleinplatz. She said, she was amazing. She said, I learned more from her than I learned in any of the classes. And so I said, oh, I happen to know Peggy. Uh, But she was really, certainly uh, very pleased to have had Peggy as a teacher. Peggy's strong sense of dedication to our professor, to our profession, I'm sure is derived from her personal values and her faith. So Peggy, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here on my third show. Thank you so much for having me, Jessica. I've loved the work that we've done together, and it's always a pleasure to learn with you. Well, thank you. I 
want to kind of launch in because time moves really, really fast on the show, and I'm learning uh, as I go sometimes. But uh, this question that uh, I know you've done a lot of research in this area, what is optimal sexual intimacy? Well, um, my research team here at the University of Ottawa, and I have been studying that for many years, and we decided to look for answers by studying the people who might have them. So rather than doing the usual uh, sex research, looking at captive audiences, university students taking first-year psychology, we decided that if we wanted to find out about optimal sexual experience, we needed to ask the experts, people who were having magnificent erotic intimacy and making it last a lifetime. I mean, a one-night stand is easy, but how do you make it last a lifetime? So we went and asked questions of people who were over 60 years of age and had been married to each other for at least 30 years and who self-declared that they were having great sex, and we asked them what that was. And their answers were pretty illuminating, at least for us. We found that there were eight components that were pretty much universal among all the people who were having amazing sex. And the first of them was about being present and alive in the moment, being focused, being utterly embodied and immersed in the experience. So, you know, when, when we do what sex researchers typically do, which is ask about what gets in the way, people often talk about getting easily distracted. Well, this is the opposite of that. This is people who are so engaged in one another's embrace that an atom bomb could fall and they wouldn't notice. They're that utterly in the moment. So that was the first thing that people mentioned. It was probably the most predominant thing that they mentioned. But there were seven other things. The second one was a sense of connection, being in sync losing yourself not just in the moment, but with your partner. And this was, you know, sort of a surprise to us because so often, as you know, Jessica, in the the psychological literature, it talks about the importance of two people being completely separate. And it's not that that has no place, it does, but that when sex is at its best, it's less about what the psychologists have had to tell us and more about what the poets have had to tell us and the songwriters. It's about a moment where two people become as one. And that sort of leads into the third thing that we found, that really great sex involved a deep sense of erotic intimacy. And we expected people to say love, but they never used that word. What they did, though, is describe what I think of as as the kernels of love. Uh, deep mutual respect, caring, genuine acceptance, mutual admiration. So really strong feelings for one another for as long as the relationship was going to last. And the fourth was communication. Now, you and I know that it's such a truism as marital therapists that, you know, sure, everything requires communication, But this wasn't ordinary communication. This was really high levels of communication. 
It was such a blessing for me to be able to do these interviews with my then doctoral student, now Dr. Dana Menach, to hear these people express themselves in ways that were so articulate and vivid. These were people who embodied heightened empathy and sensitivity, a complete and total sharing of themselves verbally and non-verbally. Um, and then the fifth, similarly, wasn't about this sort of low level, but high levels of interpersonal risk-taking through exploration that for them was fun. So you know how when people in our field talk about risk, we often talk about how to avoid the risks of unwanted pregnancies, which is, of course, important, or sexually transmitted diseases, which is crucial, and so on. But we were talking about a different kind of risk, the willingness to really trust another person by being trustworthy. And this caliber of sex was an adventure, an ongoing exploration, a journey that required letting go together in the context of humor and laughter. Um, And then there was a sixth. If you're going to have sex of this caliber, what you need to be able to do is be true to yourself, be authentic, genuine, uninhibited, unselfconscious, totally free to be yourself, which is sort of the easy part. The seventh was being able to do that with another person, being able to let go, be vulnerable, not alone, but be vulnerable with another person, be swept away, being willing to jump off of cliffs together and revel in the sensation and the ability to surrender to one's partner. And last but not least was... You know, it's funny because the language that people use is language that people often borrow from religion. So they talked about a sense of timelessness, transcendence, bliss, awe, transformation. It was so exciting to be able to gather this data. Well, it sounds like... Uh, from what I'm kind of listening to you go through all of these, and uh, last week we were so fortunate to have uh, Gina Ogden on. She was talking about her wheel, the, the you know, and I'm kind of thinking in that way uh, when you're talking how it touched on, certainly touches on the mental, it ta- touches on the physical, it touches on the spiritual, as you just finally said, and uh, certainly then the emotional, but not linking the two together, but it's just in my vivid imagination, that's what I'm seeing. And I guess what stands out for me is uh, how heartfelt that experience was for you and your assistant to, to hear these stories and for these people who have been so connected and the word intimacy keeps coming to my mind. Um, Absolutely. Um, this, is, this is what you're describing is full intimacy. A wholehearted intimacy. The willingness to be true to oneself, be emotionally naked, while in the presence of another who gets you. Someone who really gets that you're going on on a limb and sharing yourself fully with another person. What could be more intimate? 
And absolutely, this is completely consistent with the work of uh, Dr. Ogden on the four-dimensional wheel. Right. And I'm also kind of thinking of uh, Harriet Lerner's work, The Dance of Intimacy, as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, because she speaks, you know, to these same, you know, to the same things. It, out of the eight, um, is there one that stands out for you as being instrumental, I guess, because you started with presence, and and then you also then kind of uh, contradicted the, you know, we should look at separateness and sex as an individual (laughs) thing that we do together, right? So you're saying, you know, kind of contradicting that. So yeah, if you could maybe just briefly touch on on that piece, I guess, because that's, you know, that's at least what I heard you say. You know, you ask, is there one thing? And I think the tricky thing is that there are two sort of conflicting things that have to exist at the same time. Mm-hmm. One would be being connected within, focused, embodied, mm-hmm. and utterly immersed in the experience, which is about me. And the other is about us. The mm-hmm. two taking place at the same time. So you can be completely focused while you're doing a math problem and you can be completely connected when the two of you are doing anything together. It might be the gardening. But to be focused within while I'm connected with you, that's the tricky piece, doing these two things at the same time. So it's not good enough that we feel close and connected. And it's not good enough that I be able to focus. The question is, can I be completely focused within, true to myself, in my own experience, while I'm also engaged with you? So I think that's going to be the next wave in the sex therapy that, that I'm doing and that I'm hoping others will begin to do, to be focusing on how these two things can coexist. Is there a characteristic in the group that you were interviewing and doing the res- that maybe stood out that that might help when I use the word characteristic? And I'm asking you to speculate, and I know you don't do that. <laughs> but is is there something? Because that is a special characteristic or trait that two people might have to be able to do that. They were willing to be incredibly honest. And they weren't looking for sex to be safe. I mean, there's a lot of focus in literature at this point on how we need to make everything safe for couples. And these people weren't necessarily looking to be safe. I mean, they they created relationships that were just safe enough for them to take risks as individuals and in their relationships. And it requires a great deal of of willingness to venture in order to attain that level of shared erotic intimacy. Mm-hmm. So I would say they were they were very honest and willing to take risks emotionally. Honesty is risky. 
Well, they were explorers. And I'm going to use a word that we often use in sex therapy, curiosity. Oh, yeah. As I was listening to them and having the pleasure for an hour or two, listening to the world through their ears, seeing the world through their eyes, their curiosity was enormous, and they regarded sex as an opportunity for growth, for personal development, and they brought curiosity to everything that they did. It was so clear when they were speaking that their minds were alive and engaged, and sex was an avenue for exploration, self-exploration, mutual exploration, and growth as individuals and couples. Well, I think we're about ready to go to break. So, but I'm 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 in awe, even just listening to you describe this. And uh, I want to come back and talk about this some more, and also consider looking at, you know, how because I know your group was over sixty, as you indicated. What what would a twenty five year old say? What would a 30-year-old, what would a 40-year-old, and does it look any different in their eyes? So we'll be right at, back after this short break, and we're talking with Dr. Peggy Kleinplatz from Ottawa, and thanks so much. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are listening to The Sexual Voice with Jessica Ford. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to the sexual voice at jafordgroup.com. Now, back to the sexual voice. Hello, welcome back. We're talking with Dr. Peggy Kleinplatz and uh, listening to her latest research. And uh, I think if you're listening out there, you've heard... Uh, these eight components to optimal uh, sexual intimacy. And it's really exciting to hear this uh, information that she's been sharing with us. But a, a slight change because I, I want to hear how how does this look across uh, maybe the generations? And, and if I'm a 25-year-old woman, which I haven't been for some time, uh, or if I'm 65, how how does... Basically, does this look any different, or is there a similarity? Well, we've actually written a study on that, and when we ask the people who are 65 and older, you know, how has your perception of it changed over time, their standards have grown. So they'd say, you know, when I was in my teens, I thought just getting laid was great. By the time I was in my 20s, it was, I thought it was really great if I could get laid without my parents walking in. And then in their 30s, it was, uh, it was great if we could have sex without the kids walking in. And it was in their 40s that they began to say, okay, this is, this is good, but is this the best we can do? And it was in their 50s that they made the choice to really be vulnerable and really be worthy of one another's trust and to bring the caliber of their sex lives up fairly substantially and dramatically. And they really worked on it. I mean, when we asked them, you know, what was it that you did that enabled you to become capable of sex of of this quality? They said, well, the first thing we had to do was unlearn everything that we learned growing up about what sex is about. We had to unlearn all the stereotypes, all the myths about what it means to be a man or what it means to be a woman, all the myths about what couples are supposed to be like, that sex should be natural and spontaneous. No, they said, if you want it to be um, merely hot and effective, that's fine. But if you're looking for something truly intimate, you're going to have to put in some effort. If you're doing it right, it shouldn't feel like work. But, yeah, cultivate the capacity for 
high levels of erotic intimacy. It's not just going to happen to you. So that's what I'm going to say in my 60s because I've learned over time. But I'm 25. And I don't know that I want a 65-year-old telling me how to have sex. You'd be absolutely right. I mean, my advice to the 25-year-old and to the 65-year-old, and for that matter to the 15-year-old, is don't worry about other people's standards. What are your standards? What are your values and beliefs? What would be the kind of sex that's worth wanting? And for you to find the right answer for you, regardless of your age, you're going to have to look within. I mean, some people have looked at our research and said, wow, you're setting the bar awfully high, and they've missed the point. We don't think anybody should be setting the bar for any individual. It's exactly the opposite, is that if you want to find your way to optimal sexual experience, you're going to have to come to know yourself and what's right for you, what's good for you, and what's magnificent for you. Only you can answer that. Well, then suggestions for the 15, the 20, the 25, the 30, or the 35-year-old, who we know can sometimes be struggling to even know who they are or to even have their own identity. And in some ways, this is, as you are aware, the premise of this show is how can I create my sexual voice? What do I need to know from within about who I am? what I want, what I need, and when I don't know. Because as you were referencing, for some of these couples, they were, they were in their 50s before they had to shake off the stereotypes of how it should be or what it should be or what it's all about. That's because correct. We, the we the have those age mis- was in their 50s um, for the time at which sex started to become amazing. And at that point, you're right, they had spanned most of their lifetime, or at least half, hopefully, for some. But again, the message is a struggle for someone in their 20, you know, or 25. I am, again, I, I keep going back to being 25. I want to be in a relationship with someone. I want to be loved. I want to be close with someone. And yet, I really want to have this fantastic sex. I'm not even sure because I've never even looked at myself. I've never even touched myself. And I have all of these other biases going on that I've been taught. And we know there's many. But, yeah, so, so any suggestions out of the research? I mean, as you said, I'm 50, finally getting it, what sex is about. How did they get there? What was, you think, the piece that actually took them to that place, those kind of aha moments? Wow. It, God, it I wish I'd known one this. Thing. Okay. It was a whole series of things that are interconnected. I mean, how do we do anything else that ends up being magnificent in the end? If you picture a beautiful garden, 
it wasn't that you decided to plant a rose. It was that you decided to put effort into creating something, into cultivating something that could ultimately be very beautiful. So it's never too early to start exploring yourself physically, emotionally. Pay attention to what turns you on. You know, what makes you glow in the dark? What makes you feel so alive that you feel like you're going to burst with excitement? The answer to that is different for every person. And it well should be. The excitement with a new partner is that you get to explore that other person. Okay, don't forget to explore yourself. Pay attention. Practice self-awareness. And practice really listening to other people. Where do I go when you're saying practice? And, And again... I'm asking as this very young voice because these are the voices that I hear in my office. Absolutely. Think about the excitement that we all feel in a brand new relationship because we're getting to know somebody new. And it doesn't take very long before we find relationships get stale. And it's because... We dim our curiosity. We curtail our exploration. Okay? If you're looking to find something special, go back to where you lost it. When did you stop inquiring? When did you stop exploring? When did you settle for an expedient path to orgasm rather than the more daring continual explanation of the heart and soul and desires of your partner and yourself and what each can create within and with each other. So don't stop. Keep doing what was working. I'm going to kind of put another layer on this topic. And unfortunately, or fortunately, I am a woman, have been referencing a woman's voice. But in your work, were the men's voices any different? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. No, they weren't. And that was one of our most exciting findings. Um, Dr. Dana Menard and I did all the interviews, but our research team, for reasons of ethics and confidentiality, never got to know which transcripts were from men, which ones were from women, which ones were from people who were heterosexual, which were from people who were gay or straight or kinky or poly. And the members of the team who were looking at the transcripts always got it wrong. They were unable to distinguish the responses of the men as compared to the women, the people who were in conventional vanilla relationships versus the people who were in kinky or poly relationships. No. Um, Our whole field of sex therapy is based on trying to get people back to normal functioning where we have some idea of what men should normally be like and what women should normally be like. And I'm saying, let's give it up. Let's stop looking for normal where we do find differences in male and female sexual functioning. And let's aim high. At the highest levels, there is no difference among human beings. 
And isn't that exciting? It's all exciting. You've got my attention. <laughs> thank you. Coming from you, that means a lot to me. Thank you. So there's no gender difference. None. There's no orientation differences. Nope. And again, you're referencing the highest level. I guess I'm thinking this is a path. And while I liked your visualization of a garden, no two gardens are the same, the pathway to the garden or achieving that optimal garden takes a lot of work. And part of the purpose of this show is to help people get on the path and to certainly envision what that optimal garden might be, what the magnificent might be, that it is out there. But it sure sounds like it's going to take work. Certainly effort. If you're doing it right, it won't feel like work, but it will take a lot of effort. Any suggestions? Prepare yourself in the same way you would prepare yourself if you wanted to run a marathon or if you wanted to become a great chef rather than merely um, a McDonald's uh, burger flipper. Um, Throw yourself into it and be prepared for the path to shift while you're on it. If you're looking for an image, I would borrow one from Harry Potter. Um, Have you seen the Harry Potter movies? Yes, of course I have, Peggy. I have children and grandchildren. (laughs) Perfect. So you can picture what it's like entering Hogwarts for the first time. And you get on this staircase to go to the Gryffindor common room. And even as you're on the path going upwards, the staircase is moving. And you know you're somehow going to get there where there is not entirely clear. And the path moves even as you're on it. Just keep going, notwithstanding the fact that the path may change along the way. Be open and willing to explore and keep climbing. I keep remembering your words of coming out of your study, risk, vulnerability, trust. These are all things that are required. And I like my word curiosity. Mm. It is about having all of those elements that provide the encouragement to move in the direction toward that optimal garden. Mm. But as you're saying, along the way, being open to whatever occurs. We certainly know nature has a way of intervening, but whatever occurs along that way, I think this is a good message, an excellent message that uh, you're sharing I, with many people. So Thank you. We're, I think this is a good point to take our next break, and we'll be back with... Dr. Peggy Kleinplatz and her enlightening information from her research. So we'll be right back. 
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are listening to The Sexual Voice with Jessica Ford. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to the sexual voice at jafordgroup.com. Now, back to the sexual voice. Hello and welcome back. Uh, This has been an extraordinary conversation we've been having with Peggy and hearing about her research and on on so many different levels and these results that I think have uh, broad-reaching implications for not only how we do sex therapy, but for those who are listening and uh, wondering what they should be doing, what is the pathway, how should they be proceeding to find their sexual voice. So, Peggy, is there just a very brief... Thing, statement that you could say that you want the people to, to know about this research? I would tell all sex therapists and all lovers out there, don't stop too soon, don't settle for too little, aim high. Perfect, perfect. So I want to thank you so much for joining us and uh, enlightening us and uh, putting us on a path that we all need to be on. So, pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. And before I uh, close with Peggy and uh, move into a little more information about next week's show, um, I want to remind everyone there is a book uh, that Peggy has edited, uh, New Directions in Sex Therapy, and it is available on Amazon. Um, and it's well worth looking at to to read uh, some wonderful contributors. And uh, uh, thank you so much, Peggy. Thank you. Dr. Kleinplatz's research findings are illuminating. And if you're like me, you want to hear it again. You want to hear the eight components of optimal sexual experience. And as she also called it, a magnificent erotic intimacy. So those eight components are present, being present, embodying in the moment, and focused. Two is a sense of connection, being in sync, losing yourself in the moment with your partner, becoming as one, as she said. Erotic intimacy is three, which is a deep mutual respect and caring, a mutual admiration. Four is communication, this heightened empathy and sensitivity that's both expressed verbally and non-verbally. 
a high level of interpersonal risk-taking, which is the ability to trust at the same time of being trustworthy. It's an adventure or a journey of letting go. Authentic, free to be yourself without habition. And seven is letting go and vulnerable with the other. Being able to let go yourself, but being able to let go with the other. Surrender. And finally, eight, looking at kind of from that religious spiritual perspective, that the experience is timeless, that it's transcendent, awe and transformational. So again, my question is, how do we get on the path to this magnificent erotic intimacy? And as she indicated from her research, she discovered we should unlearn everything we learned growing up, all the stereotypes, what it means to be a man or a woman, how to be honest with self and the other, to be vulnerable and risk-taking, to be curious because sex is an opportunity. It's an adventure for exploration of looking within both individually and mutually a shared experience. So this challenge to be connected and focused with yourself and at the same time engaged with the other requires cultivation. It isn't something that we just automatically know. So begin with an awareness of your body sensations, your breathing, and less focus on your thoughts. All too often we get lost in wondering what the other is thinking about, wondering if they see our physical flaws. Am I too fat or am I too thin? And will this person want me and continue to love me? So these thoughts are just thoughts and being able to let go and focus on what you're feeling physically. Prepare yourself, throw yourself into it, even though the path may change along the way. Take the risk to be curious and open to whatever comes along. Put the effort into creating something by exploring, paying attention to what turns you on and what makes you feel alive. As Peggy said, that burst of excitement. Pay attention. Practice exploration of yourself. Practice self-awareness. Practice listening to yourself and others. Ask yourself, when did you stop exploring the heart, soul, and desire of you or your partner? Now, effort as Peggy says, does not mean the same as work. But effort does require you to take risks, to explore and to be vulnerable, to be curious and cultivate the capacity of high intimacy, wholehearted intimacy. The focus today has been on optimal. And we've learned that it is a path and that it is a journey that we need to keep exploring. We need to be open to whatever is going to come along that path. 
Uh, We need to be curious. We need to be vulnerable. We need to risk being vulnerable. And I'm also going to say we need to act responsibly, responsibly to ourselves and responsible to others. But it really is about the whole of the person. It's about what we feel emotionally, what we feel physically, what we may think. And going back to Gina's work, the spirituality piece, it is about the whole of us. And I was really intrigued with this generational perspective. Uh, I think we need to look at that more. And what happens when we're 60 versus what happens when we're 20? And what can a 60-year-old be able to convey that hopefully a 15 or 20 or 30-year-old might be able to hear and implement in their life? I want to say in some ways, the clients that I see, that I spend time with, this word intimacy, and that's come up several times in today's conversation. The word intimacy is about this need to connect, this need that we all share. And this phrase, intimacy, is into me see. And in some ways, listening to Peggy's research, all of these individuals took that risk of intimacy to allow the other to see into them and then to see into the other. Because I see these words as cloaked in honesty, trust, and meaning. It's about taking a risk to be brave and courageous and allowing the other to see who you really are, all of you. And I'd mentioned earlier Harriet Lerner's book, The Dance of Intimacy, which is one of my favorites, and I often share with clients to read, especially when they're trying to understand what is intimacy. I'm going to take just a minute to to read a little excerpt from her book. She says, for starters, intimacy means that we can be who we are in a relationship and allow the other to do the same. Being who we are requires that we can talk openly about the things that are important to us, that we can take a clear position on where we stand on important emotional issues, and that we clarify the limits that is acceptable and tolerable to us in a relationship. Allowing the other person to do the same means that we can stay emotionally connected to that other person who thinks, feels, and believes differently without needing to change, convince, or fix the other. An intimate relationship is one in which neither party silences, sacrifices, or betrays the self and each party expresses strength and vulnerability, weakness and competence in a balanced way. So we're going to be changing gears a little bit as we move into next week's show. Where's the sex? 
We're going to be looking at when things don't work. And these can be particularly challenging. So what physical issues get in the way of having sex? Usually for women, it can be pelvic floor sexual pain, although men can experience this as well. In men, all too often, it can be an erection issue. Either it's too hard, not hard enough, rapid ejaculation, or it's too slow, delayed ejaculation. When these issues get in the way of our sexual basic needs, what is it like for us, our partner, the relationship? So next week, we're going to have two guests to cover this topic. You're going to hear from Dr. Carolyn Pukal and Dr. Stanley Althoff. Carolyn is in Ontario and Stan is in Florida. They're sex therapists, educators, research, and authors. So you're going to learn more. And in the end, I'm going to share with you a climate, a client's journey from where's the sex to finding the sex. This is an extraordinary journey that uh, Carolyn had had shared with me. So I want to thank all the listeners who have contacted me since the show has begun. Your feedback is really important and contributes greatly to what I'm doing, the direction I'm taking the show. And many of those listening have a story, and I want to hear it, and with your permission, would like to use it on the show. So I'm going to end with the roomy poem again, Send the Chaperones Away. Inside me, a hundred beings are putting their fingers to their lips and saying, that's enough for now, shh. Silence is an ocean, speech is a river. Remember, healthy sex begins with you. And small request, please visit and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. So I'm going to say goodbye for now, and thank you for listening today. You can listen live or to the recordings that are posted on the show site. But please join me next week, and we'll talk some more. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining Jessica and her guests today on The Sexual Voice. Please tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is here. Enjoy your sexual self, and please join us here next Friday. 